Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Are you dealing with autistic burnout and don't know how to spot the signs or how to get out of it? Well, my next guest is somewhat of an expert on autistic burnout, and we're going to be discussing it and what to look for and how to spot it in other people and how to deal with it. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Larissa Minner, who is somewhat of an expert on autistic burnout. Welcome to the show, Larissa. Thanks, Reed, for having me on your show. Not a problem. So let's start off with, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? So I'm neurodivergent. Uh, I'm autistic, dyspraxic, ADHD with several speech disabilities, anxiety, and PTSD. And I'm a consultant, speaker, researcher, and content creator and advocate. Now... I am a current research associate at a university, and I'm conducting an original research study on healthcare for autistic and non-autistic adults. I won multiple awards for this study. I'm a leadership for multiple disability organizations. I also have spoken to organizations like PayPal, University of Texas, and Safe Alliance on interacting with autistic and other neurodivergent people and how to create inclusive, accessible environments. I think more companies need somebody like you to talk to them on how to deal with how to handle autistics because I think there are companies out there who are just afraid to deal with the autistics. And it what happens is, they, they, they either get fired or they get treated poorly. So they need to understand how to handle us. Yeah. And what a lot of organizations don't realize is that there are ways to make the hiring process you know, in onboarding retention process more friendly for autistic people. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually the price of accommodation studies are showing cost employers uh, about half of them are free and the majority of the rest are like one-time fees of like $300 or less. So it's actually not like too expensive to support a lot of us and not everybody needs accommodations. But you are right. The employment process needs to change too. And I have talked with someone who is the chief people officer for a company out in DC and the way she's, they do their interviewing for everybody is a little bit different than they do for most autistics. Is It's not just an, it's not an interview interview. It's more, let's get to know you. And then they keep that on file in case they have something that meets their criteria. That's helpful. Uh, I also know that sometimes having skill-based processes can help some autistic people as well because we don't always interview 
Well, especially if the employer is going by neuronormative standards. Yeah. Anyway, so when were you diagnosed with ASD? So I was diagnosed in my mid to late 20s. Uh, at the time, I was having a lot of challenges and I was being misdiagnosed with different things. Um, one of my first misdiagnoses was intellectual disability. And with that, I was actually treated pretty horribly. Uh, I was a child and then it was generalized anxiety disorder and then bipolar disorder, where I was also received a lot of stigma for that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say the turning point came when the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, allowed for a dual diagnosis of autism and ADHD. And at the time, it took me a long time to find someone that could even assess an adult that was a woman, because uh, we mm -hmm. tend to be under-identified. Anyways, how did your diagnosis change your life? So for me, the diagnosis wasn't just a label. It actually was a lifeline and I would say a lifesaver. So uh, for me, it enabled me to be able to break free of a lot of medications. I was, at the time I was on such high doses for the bipolar misdiagnosis that I was actually going to the emergency room and hospital. So once we realized that autism and ADHD she explained most of my challenges, uh, I was able to work with my doctors to carefully take myself off of various medications under supervision. Uh, I also, getting that diagnosis of autism encouraged me to be kinder to myself. Uh, I practiced a lot of self-compassion uh, before I would force myself to tolerate certain sensory data because uh, often people would be dismissive and say, oh, that sounds not hurting you. And I didn't realize that I had differences that were causing me to have a reduced tolerance. So once I got the correct uh, identification, I was able to allow myself to wear looser, more comfortable clothing. And that accommodated my sensory needs for textures. I also started wearing reduce, uh, noise reducing headphones and earplugs, as well as stimming more or engaging in mm -hmm. self-regulatory movements. And while I had my diagnosis for most people for years, I would say the biggest thing getting correctly identified helped me with was I eventually embraced my autism identity, which studies show can be really good for uh, self-esteem and for mental health. And that's something I have personally experienced. So I was able to find multiple neurodivergent community communities where I could relate to other autistic individuals. And eventually autism became a passionate interest of mine. I love reading research studies about it. And I now advocate for autism and other neurodivergent rights. All righty. Let's talk about something you're pretty passionate about, and that is autistic burnout. Let's start off with the basic. What is autistic burnout? So autistic burnout, it's typically a complex interplay of factors uh, from sensory overload to executive function demands. And executive function uh, encompasses 
higher order thinking skills like time management, emotional regulation, organization, and planning, that type of thing. So burnout happens when demands exceed your energy capacity or your supports. Uh, some causes include repeat sensory overload. Uh, for, for instance, before, uh, like I mentioned, I was forcing myself to experience sensory overload. I didn't understand that's what I was experiencing, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was actually one potential cause of autistic burnout. Uh, another cause that I hear about a lot is not being accommodated or supported. Um, masking is a major risk factor for autistic burnout. So masking is hiding or minimizing autistic traits. And imagine yourself uh, not being able to make eye contact or stem or engage in those self-regulatory movements. It can also look like other ways. Uh, Simming comes in different forms. And it's usually a social survival defense mechanism, and it can be both a conscious and unconscious decision, but it comes at the cost of exhausting yourself. And studies are showing that masking, again, is a major risk factor for autistic burnout. All right, so we know what it is and what causes it, but how did you get interested into it? So I started reading studies on autistic burnout. Uh, research studies are one of my passionate interests. Uh, I started identifying with other autistic people's stories on autistic burnout. So I began to reflect on my own experiences at different times in my life. And I was able to look back and identify instances of autistic burnout. Like when I was a child and I was placed in a mental hospital, I could see the signs before that where I used to come home from school ready to burst and where I was unable to tolerate sensory data uh, and problems with emotional regulation. Uh, and then recognizing that autistic burnout has, autistic burnout's role as a major risk factor for suicidal ideation and suicide I became passionate about advocating for societal changes to prevent and manage autistic burnout better. All right. So we know what causes it. We know what it is. What can we do about it? So it's important to note that autistic burnout recovery will look different for every individual. Autistic people are different, as you know. So mm -hmm. some people find it helpful to rest. Bricks can help. I tend to fall under that category. Uh, I also find it helpful to manage sensory data uh, with things like noise canceling headphones, making sure I have quiet spaces to retreat to. Uh, I find engaging in my passionate interests can help lower autistic burnout for me. I also found safe times to unmask. I've tried identifying safe people I can unmask with because not everybody is safe mm -hmm. to unmask with. I, pref I prefer to have mostly neurodivergent friends, which is not for everyone. But for me, this actually helps my burnout because I am able to unmask more. I also find self-care helpful. Cutting back on unnecessary demands for instance, cooking requires a lot of executive function skills. 
So since burnout can impact executive function, some things that can help can be using microwave mills, delivery, ready-made mills, or other workarounds. I've also used dry shampoo instead of showering with shampoo at times when I'm in burnout. Uh, some people find they need to minimize group activities during burnout recovery. All right. So what are the signs that we should look for the, the, so we have an idea if we're getting close to burnout? Okay. So my first encounter with autistic burnout happened during elementary school. And at the time, the exhaustion of burnout affected every aspect of my life and intensified with each grade. So instead of being a sanctuary, school became a source of emotional strain for me. Uh, my emotional regulation and organizational skills dwindled and my social skills regress, which are all common right. signs of autistic burnout. And these challenges, particularly my, my struggles with executive function, uh, I became more and more disorganized. Uh, these became increasingly pronounced and they were all the telltale signs of autistic burnout. And eventually like other features of autistic burnout started to creep in. So I started having heightened stress, uh, actually a reduced tolerance to stress, which is common with autistic burnout. Uh, I started experiencing mental and physical fatigue and constant brain fog. And I, I don't know if you've had brain fog, but it can feel horrible. So especially when you're in a world where you're often not accommodated for. So those are some common signs of autistic burnout but it will look okay. differently for everyone. All right. Now, how can we manage it? I mean, how can burnout be managed to the point where we won't hit that wall of burnout? Okay. So burnout, like I said, is an individual process. And I will probably repeat that a lot because I've talked to so many different autistic people and I've also read about it and read research studies. And again, we're finding it is a very individual process. Uh, including burnout recovery. Uh, for myself, there are times where I can't necessarily full on prevent autistic burnout. Uh, I am able to identify when I'm starting to get it sooner. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, managing burnout involves a delicate dance with energy level. So I try to gauge my capacity for various activities. Some people actually recommend uh, categorizing different activities and planning out your day. Uh, that can help some people. Some people find that more tiring. Uh, setting firm boundaries and learning the power of saying no were pivotal steps in my journey because it helped lower my uh, workload and amount of responsibilities. I also had to try not to people please. I would say that was one of the big things that really helped me. Uh, Apps can also help with executive function, like note-taking, recording meetings, uh, a course of permission that can help take off the cognitive load. Uh, it's been a lifesaver for me during meetings, especially when I'm in burnout. Captions can help too. So can reminder apps, visual aids. Uh, I also take the time to engage in swimming behavior. Uh, leisure activities, like for me, is drawing, are reading research studies. Uh, it'll be different for everyone. And then uh, 
also sensory data that I find soothing, like playing with kinetic sand or water. All right. Now let's talk a little bit more about some of the outside sources. Can stress be a cause of burnout? Yes. In fact, life transitions like divorce, moving, college, job changes, marriage, and having a kid can all trigger autistic burnout. So can smaller stress. Uh, and if you can tell, that included even positive stress like marriage and a new job. So any type of stress, positive or negative, can be a trigger for autistic burnout. I have found that it's more of a cumulative effect that builds up for me. Mm -hmm. Once I had a lot of hesitations at once, uh, which was positive stress, but I started to get signs of burnout. Now I'm able to manage that effectively and I'm able to do multiple presentations without getting burnout, but it took time. All right. Now we talked about what can cause it. Now let's talk about can burnout lead to something like depression or even yeah. suicide for that matter? Yes. So burnout can lead to depression. It is essential to note that burnout can actually mimic depression because that's mm. it can actually be commonly misdiagnosed as depression, but someone can have both. Uh, burnout can lead to depression. And I just want to briefly mention like one way that it can look different because you brought up suicidal ideation. So sometimes when someone's in a state of autistic burnout, they just want to be like free of like the overwhelm and the reduced tolerance to sensory data. So they kind of want to feel nothing and that wanting to feel nothing can kind of mimic suicidal ideation. So I felt like that was important to bring up because I have heard it causing confusion before. Mm -hmm. uh, studies definitely are showing that autistic burnout, again, is a major risk factor for suicidal ideation and suicide, which as you know, uh, autistic people are more likely to commit suicide and attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. so, so that's definitely concerning. All right. Now, what changes can be made to help prevent and manage burnout? So I wanted to talk about society changes because I feel like it's so important, uh, especially since, as I mentioned earlier, the lack of support is a common cause of autistic mm -hmm. burnout. Because while we can do things as an individual, I firmly believe that it will take both efforts from the individual and from society to effectively prevent it. Um, but there is still hope outside of society helping out. But some society changes include universal design. So universal design are changes that everyone has access to. Uh, an example is captions on Zoom that someone can turn on. So offering sensory-friendly spaces to retreat to. Uh, for instance, I believe that the responsibility for accommodating sensory needs should not solely be placed on the autistic individual. Often it is. Uh, instead, I think it should rest on kind of both, but also on society as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, some individuals will benefit from noise canceling headphones, but it won't always help. So having a proactive, inclusive, sensory friendly environment, like fragrance free soaps, fragrance free cleaning products, and alternatives to fluorescent lighting can help. And that can help prevent 
autistic burnout. Uh, another example, uh, especially since we were talking about employment earlier, uh, is that having universal design by lowering cognitive load and decreasing stress since unemployment is also a cause of stress, which could trigger mm -hmm. autistic burnout. Uh, having Offering interview questions to every candidate in advance can help. So can alternative processes like skill assessments, a sample of work, a paid job trial, offering remote options, easier access to accommodations. I did want to say that early education on disability, including autism, could help with creating a supportive environment. Uh, studies show that there is a double empathy problem. So that's where there are challenges and a lack of understanding from both parties leading to miscommunication. So studies suggest that some autistic individuals tend to communicate information more effectively with other autistic individuals. And as discussed earlier, a lot of us adapt our communication style and behavior around non-autistic people, but we are not we're not usually met halfway. And this can lead to more masking and autistic burnout and just exhaustion. So meeting us halfway and making it safer for people of different backgrounds to sit in public can go a long way. And also allowing flexibility in social interactions is helpful. You know, I mean, you brought up employment and that brings up a really big thing. One of my latest guests was the assistant prime minister, assistant minister of autism in Australia in Australia, and she had mentioned what they had done to help out their employees who were autistic in like in the supermarkets. They literally had an electrician come in, rewire it so they can turn off half the lights. And then they had an electrician come in and rewire their cash registers to turn off the beeping noise on the reg and the cash registers. And she said, not only did it help them, but it helped improve their business as well. They had more influx of people coming in. Thank you for sharing that. That actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would like to see more changes like that. Something similar I heard about recently was a sensory-friendly arcade section, which I thought was an amazing <laughs> idea where they minimize the noises from the machines and encourage people yeah. to be quiet. Yeah, not a problem. I mean, we can learn a lot from Australia, I feel, about everything. I mean, they really have taken it to helping out those who are autistic. And she even said that there are two big colleges they have down there, or three is was a they made it mandatory now that if you are going to go into education and become a teacher after you leave, one of the courses you must take is a special education course on autism to learn how to deal with the autism children. I think that is so important. Actually, I, I believe that higher education, a lot of the core curriculum should include autism and all types of neurodivergence and disability, because often people just aren't equipped on how to interact with autistic children or adults. And I, I think it's something that more people need to be taught and trained. And, and optimally, universities and other places should work with different autistic individuals, including those that are non-speaking, to establish these training programs. 
in curriculum. Anyway, how can you tell if somebody is an autistic burnout? What are the signs we, as someone from the outside, should be looking for? Okay. So again, I would like to point out that autistic burnout looks very different per person. Okay. Uh, But some signs can include someone may... So someone that used to be able to mask may find it near impossible or impossible to mask. So you might be seeing things that look like more autistic behaviors suddenly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can look like someone being more direct or more stemming or self-locatory behavior. Those are some signs to look for. And that can also be a sign of increased stress. Uh, you can look for as someone's getting more irritable than they used to. Maybe they're finding it maybe they're less able to adjust to change than they used to be able to. They may be struggling with regulating their emotions more. Uh, Basically, since autistic burnout can look like a temporary loss of skills or regression, that would be something else to look for. It's hard if you haven't actually interacted with that person on the long term to look for changes. Uh, You could also look for if they seem like they're having changes to their sensory data tolerance, as I mentioned before. Right. Can burnout lead to more serious issues down the road? Yes. So as I mentioned before, it can lead to actually both anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation and suicide. And it can... And because a lot of people may not be able to function depending on what their burnout looks like, it has actually led to some people losing their jobs and finding it hard to live their daily lives, uh, especially since, again, having problems with daily tasks can be a sign. So Mm -hmm. I would consider that could be a huge challenge for some people. And it could also affect the health because it can be very stressful. All right. If someone's in burnout, what can they do to get out of it? Okay, so I I touched on this a little bit earlier. So I would encourage uh, when someone has identified that they're in burnout to, if they can, to try to document it even though like I've actually had burnout look different for me at different times in my life, uh, but it can help to try to see like what helped you get out of it before. Again, some people will need to rest. Uh, some children mm-hmm. actually need a four day school week and not every child will need that, but that's what some people need and they need that both as preventive and to get out. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. people need to reduce workload and reduction of busy work to get out. For me, I've had times where I basically couldn't socialize with people and I couldn't do any group social activity to get out. And I had to basically do a lot of stimming and drawing and self-care and relaxation to get out of it myself. So... Again, it it will look different for everyone, but part of it is just finding out what works for you. 
Now, what advice would you give to someone who is dealing with burnout? So I would want them to know that you're not alone. So it is pretty common. Most autistic individuals, I, I want to say every autistic individual, but I'm sure there's some that haven't experienced it, but most autistic individuals I've encountered uh, have experienced some form of autistic burnout at time in their life. Uh, and this is mostly due to we live in a world that's not made for us. I have found that self-compassion can be essential for dealing with autistic burnout. It's not a sign of me being a failure or anything like that. It's just I wasn't able to get enough support for what I had to do. Learning effective self-advocacy strategies, skills to communicate your needs can be very helpful. So you don't always need to disclose your identity or diagnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a personal decision, but I have found that speaking up for my needs can help when I'm dealing with autistic burnout. Again, taking proactive steps to prevent autistic burnout, uh, particularly if you are able to identify your triggers and they may be different at different times. Uh, visual schedules can help. The assistive apps and tools, having supportive people can help. But each in autistic individual is unique and they will have different needs. Again, uh, I would say that examining things that could be helpful, like spreading out events over time so that social mm -hmm. activities don't contribute to burnout can help. Uh, advocating for inclusive work environments that offer remote or hybrid options can help reduce burnout. But again, burnout prevention is an ongoing process. And yeah. individuals may need to experiment with different strategies to find what works for them. I, I did want to add that for, I think, something that is overlooked is ableism, uh, because that is actually a cause of autistic burnout, same with like abuse and stress, because most of us have been socially excluded or bullied or abused uh, or mm -hmm. made fun of in some shape or form. I have myself uh, off and on. Uh, that's very common. So I personally think that advocating for disability education in public schools starting kindergarten through 12th grade could help because developmental mm -hmm. psychologists suggest that early childhood is the best or most optimal time to educate on disability before the long setting, long standing prejudice set in. And just really quickly, experts suggest to educate on things like how we're similar, uh, correct misconceptions, and emphasize the importance of inclusion. So I, I believe that through early education, accessibility, universal design, easier access to accommodations and embracing differences that we can foster belonging for everyone and hopefully reduce autistic burnout. All right. And finally, where can people find out more about you on the web? So you can find out more about me on LinkedIn. On my LinkedIn page, you can look up Laura Seminar and I think the information will be in the description. I also have a website. Uh, I believe it's lorsaminer.com. And I have different resources. Uh, I have several like demographics 
at infographics and video content on the web. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Reed Miles, and that was Marissa, Larissa Minner, and I'll see you in the next one. See you there, everybody.